Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. So I'm praying one day, and the Lord says, I'm going to send you to Phoenix. And I replied, the Lord lets me talk to him this way. I said, I need to go to Phoenix like a hole in my head. That's what I said. And he said, well, that's what you're going to do. And so a guy calls me, a friend, David, the guy that you've helped in Indonesia. And he said, I've got a friend, a dear friend in Phoenix, (laughs) and I need you to go see him. So the Lord already knew when he told me I'm going to Phoenix that I was going to Phoenix. So anyway, so I began to pray about going to Phoenix. And I don't really get a lot, but I get that the preachers burn out and that I'm not supposed to get any money out of going. So I got to pay for the trip and pay for my hotel and all that. So I called the guy, no worries. So I called the guy and I said, I got to come. I can't let you pay for it. And all he says is, we'll see about that. That's all he said. Yeah, we'll see about that. So I said, okay. So I booked the ticket. I booked the hotel and I go to Phoenix. And I minister to the pastor. His name is Gus and great guy. Just burn out. Totally burn out. I probably have never seen anybody so burn out as this guy. And uh, just running on fumes, that can happen to anybody if you don't rest. And so anyway, so I Allegiance at airline I took, they only fly on Thursdays and Tuesdays and Mondays. No, Thursdays and Sundays. So I got to leave on Thursday and come back on Sunday. So anyway. So on Friday, I I spent the whole day with Gus, and I said, now, I don't have to preach. I didn't come here to preach. I came here for you, and that was the truth. He said, well, I feel like you have word from the Lord, so I want you to speak. I said, well, that's fine, but I don't want you to think that I'm coming to get something because that fouls up the whole mission, you know. He said, that's all right. Okay, now think about this. If you don't think God works, think about this. So unbeknownst to me, there's a guy that I looked it up on the Internet is the number one tech man in Atlanta. And he's sitting in his hotel on Saturday. And the Lord speaks to him, says, I got somewhere I want you to go on Sunday. And he said, where? He said, well, I'm going to show you, but I just want you to get ready to go first. So he Googles a church, just a church. And Gus's church comes up on his Google search, and he gets a pen in his hotel and writes down the information. He said, well, I'll pray, but I think that's where I'm supposed to go. Now, before I left, I told the Lord, I said, now, you know, I need to finish paying for this car that we bought 
that we need to pay for by the end of the year. This is the car we bought. $17,000. You can't do that in America, but the exchange rate was so powerful. <laughs> it only cost $17,000. But we didn't have the money. I didn't have it. David didn't have it. So I said, go get a loan and we'll pay it off. So he had, and now we're trying to pay it off. And I was stuck at about five grand. Couldn't get over the hump. You know how that can happen, just like the devil said, well, see, you said you're going to pay for it now. Now you're going to have to eat crow. And I'm like, no, I'm not. No, sir. Mm -mm. I like what BJ said. Don't just think about it. Stand up and talk about it. Yeah, I said, huh. If God said we're going to pay for it, then God, God's bigger than me. If he said we're going to pay for it, we're going to pay for it. Not by might, not by power. Finish. But by the Spirit, says the Lord. Amen. So I go to Gus's church. He hands Mike to me. I minister there. And faith rises up in me. They show this picture. I said, don't know how, but when I leave this town, said, don't have anything to do with this church. See, God doesn't go always go to church. Sometimes he goes to airports. Sometimes he goes to taxis. <laughs> God's everywhere. Amen. And, and I, it was faith. It wasn't me. I just said, we're going to pay for this before I leave town. Now, that puts you on a spot because that's different than, oh, well, Lord, someday, somewhere in the sweet by and by. Now, now I'm saying, before I leave town, I'm going to pay for this. Well, this guy, Michael Gargualo, I can't say it either. <laughs> it's sitting in the church. When I say that, and the Lord sp speaks to him and says, and I had put on there, need a balance of $5,000. And he speaks to Michael, says, put $4,000 in the offering this morning. Now, I'm at an inner city church where a $4,000 offering, people have to go to the hospital. You know, they get just a little money to carry on and they raise most of their money from the outside. And so when I went to the airport, I had a check in my pocket for 4000 Well, that's not 5000 remember? And David calls me and I share with him what happened that morning. 12 hours difference in time. So I call him at night, and it's morning. You catch? And he's ahead of me. And he says, when I was praying on Sunday at the church, the Lord said he was going to pay for it today. We hadn't talked. I sent him $4,000, and somebody gave him $1,000. And that little buggy, it's paid for. Not because we were playing a game with our grandson yesterday, and my wife looks at him, and everybody had a name for themselves. So we chose Oma and Opa because in Dutch, that means grandma and grandpa. So all the other names were taken in English. So I'm Opa, and she's Oma. So he was getting real happy because he was ahead. And she looks at him and said, It doesn't have anything to do with you. It's in the cards. 
But I'm going to tell you, I'm shouting victory. It's in the cards. It's not in what I can do. It's not in my ability. It's in Him. It's in Him that I live and I move and I have my being. Amen. I can't even tell you how excited I am to be here. I'd take the whole service to tell you, but I'm excited to be here. This is a special place. And the word that I have, I was thinking the last time I was here, I said, what, what word? And I was sitting there and the Lord said, sweet. That's what I feel when I'm here. It's sweet. Sweet. Everybody can come. Anybody can come. Everybody's welcome. And you can cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you, man. And every church doesn't feel that way. Trust me. Some that I go to, I look at the watch. <laughs> How long I have to stay. <laughs> Amen. Not this place. This is a sweet place. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about overcoming shame. How many of you ever had any? I've had some. I was at a reunion every year. My roommate from boarding school in Africa and another fellow that's a psychologist in Springfield, Missouri. We go for a weekend, just three of us. What a rich thing that is. And so we were on that weekend. And my friend, we sat at the table and ate some breakfast. And then he started telling me and Grant, the other fellow, about a shameful event that happened in his life in 1971. We're in 2017. And so as he talks, finally I raised my hand. I said, how long have you been dealing with, with this? He said, since 71. That's what shame does for you. And he said, but hang on, I got good news because I'm going to tell you what happened. And in 2017, he sent a message. You know, we don't have to type letters anymore. He sent a message to a girl that he had been inappropriate with, and he said, can I send you a letter of apology? And he apologized for acting like a goof in 1971. I loved her response. She said, I'll forgive you, but I forgave you way back there. She said, because it did hurt, but God took the hurt away. You know why he sent the letter for him? Not for her. She'd already gotten the victory. But it didn't hurt to say I'm sorry. You see, God's original plan in the garden, now, I'm not trying to make you laugh, was for all of us not to have to go buy clothes. And there was no shame in that in the garden. Now, I don't know about you, but there's some days I might not get dressed if I wouldn't get arrested. I just don't feel like worrying about picking something, you know? When Adam and Eve first got here, they could just frolic around. Nothing was sinful, nothing to feel guilty about. Wow. Total freedom. 
Even in the Bible, it, it was such a big deal that in Genesis it says they were naked and they weren't ashamed. Because there was nothing to be ashamed of. And I know there's people that have nudist colonies. Listen, there's something to be ashamed of now. Don't go there. But then there was no sin in it. Why? Like little babies running around. There's nothing. There's innocence when a little baby runs around naked in the house. There's nothing wrong with that. But once you know right from wrong and once you grow up, your innocence is gone. You agree? And you got to play by the rules. But don't ever forget that God intended when he started was for us to live like they were living. And then they messed it up. Now I'm going to tell you, BJ started this service saying, there's nothing wrong with saying you don't know. There's something I don't know. I, it, it, it just, it just I, perplexes me that so much hangs on so little that way back there, they ate a piece of fruit they shouldn't have eaten and then we're paying for it here. But that's the rules of God. I, I don't have to understand it to know it's right. God sets things up and these people fail the test and we pay for it. Also, we pay for it on the other way. Abraham passed the test and I get the benefit. Because Abraham obeyed God, here I am. You know, it's amazing how it works. But but don't ever think that what you do doesn't matter because it's not correct. It matters a whole lot what you do. It mattered that I went to Phoenix. You don't have to understand it. That's what BJ said. You don't have to understand to believe. You don't have to understand to obey. And then they ate that fruit, and they had to go buy clothes. And and they, from the time they ate the fruit till they checked out, they were running away from God instead of to Him. Ashamed, ashamed. Shame's a terrible thing. You know why we. Come down so hard on kids, teasing kids, because the byproduct of teasing is shame. Makes them feel. I, I remember when I was a little boy, we didn't have any money. And they sent my note home and said, don't open it. Give it to your mama. So I gave it to my mom and it said, we qualified for free lunch. I said, I'm not getting one. I don't want anybody to know I need a free lunch. But we didn't qualify to pay for our lunch. We didn't make enough money. But you know, the truth was, and I told my dad this, let somebody else have that free lunch. I'm okay. We were. Because God's economy counts different. We did fine. We just didn't have any money. <laughs> 
<laughs> You're not poor when you don't have money and you have Jesus. Hallelujah. Get that one. If you don't get anything else, you're not poor when you have Jesus. You may not have any money, but you're okay. And so, three things. First thing is, refuse for shame to dictate how you act. Nobody has to know you're broke. And you don't need to tell them. I remember those days. Terry and I laugh now. Somebody invited me to go out to eat. And I hope they were paying because I sure to couldn't. But I'd go by faith. <laughs> I'm going to get in the car and go. hope it works out. I did pay you back, didn't I? You remember? <laughs> we got to the we got to the restaurant. <laughs> I left my wallet at home. <laughs> Rick said, I'll pay. I said, okay, but help me remember to pay you back. He said, Oh, I can do that. <laughs> Don't let shame govern your life. Don't let it control you. Don't get the banner of poor over your head. I'm serious. Be free from that in Jesus' name. If you have zero money, you still got a whole page full of blessings. Write them down. Hallelujah. If I'm not in the hospital, it's a pretty good day. Because I've been a lot lately. I don't know about you. I do not like to go to the hospital. How about you? And I really don't like to go to the ER. Ho. Ho. Because you walk in, and if you're not having a stroke or a heart attack, they just put you over in the corner. We'll check with you later. And I mean later, 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 later. <laughs> Last time I went, got there at 3 and got a room at 2. Not the... Not before. The next day in the morning at two. Isn't that crazy? I mean, if you're not dead, you feel like you're going to die by the time they get you in the room. Crazy. And they, I'd been having strokes and they, kept me for five days and when they let me out I said so what caused my stroke you know what they said we don't know kept me for five days to tell me they don't know I wish they'd have said we'll send you home and send a letter or something you know what I mean and so I know what I'm talking about you got to keep a good attitude or it'll rub off on people. And, and, and I'm not scolding anybody, but have you ever lived at a crazier time than right now? I haven't. There's the craziest time I've ever lived in. I mean, everywhere you look, something bad's going on. 
what Hamas did in October. It's unconscionable. And then we got people picketing for the wrong people. I'm like, what are y'all doing? They have lost their marbles. And, and, and Jesus knew about it. He said, don't get shook up. I've overcome the world. He knew what the world was going to look like today. It looks like they have gone slap crazy. You know why? Because they have. <laughs> because they have. If you don't follow Jesus, you would too. But I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you, you don't have to believe me, but I would suggest at least thinking about this. It's getting ready to get real good, so don't back out now. We have waited all our lives for this time right now. It is getting ready. To, I'm, we're getting ready to throw a party. If you've ever thought about leaving, don't leave now. Hang on, because we're getting ready to have a hoorah thing. My wife says it all the time. I think the Lord's about to come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It sure looks like a good time, doesn't it? I'm getting distracted. Is that you, Linda? My goodness. Uh, you remember when I prayed for you, Winner? Woo, hallelujah. God's still doing what he does. Amen. So don't let your shame, don't let your grief get inside of you or it'll rub off on somebody else. And, and I'm telling you, I'm telling you, there's times... My little grandson spent the day with us yesterday, and he's fine till he's not. You ever had grandkids? <laughs> and uh, he went outside, and he wouldn't come in. And so I shouldn't have done it. I, I mean, I already know it. My wife told me, but I already know it. So I told him, I said, well, I hope that the lions don't eat you up out here because they come on out here. And I walked in. You should have seen him. He changed in one second. And when he walked, it was the funniest thing. He was like, I mean, he, he tiptoed the rest of the time. And then he got out on a walkway out there and just, he, he got out and, and he looked around and, and finally he just went like this. He, I mean, he was the best. I, I'd have stayed out there with him for an hour if he'd act like that when I was out there with him. Then I felt bad. And any lines in our body. <laughs> it sure did work, but I still felt bad. And so I told him, I said, did that scare you? And he said, yeah. I said, there ain't any lines out here. He said, I didn't think so. <laughs> I didn't think so, Opa. But you know, if, if you do that to people, that's an example but if you do it in a personal way, it'll shame them. If you say, where'd you get those clothes? There's kids that do that to little boys every day at school. My dad had two pair of overalls, one for every day and one for church. And that was it. 
And he got made fun of all the time for wearing overalls to school. And for the last 60 years of his life, he didn't, he didn't have any overalls. You see what I'm saying? But that's all he had. But you don't make fun of people for what they have. I don't think. Because in his overalls, he was the sweetest man that ever lived. Especially when he was little. But he was always subconscious about what he wore. His whole life. You know why? Because every time he dressed up, he thought, yeah, I wonder if this is good enough. Doesn't that stink? And I prayed when I was little, God, don't let that bug get on me. I don't want to be worried the whole day while I'm speaking to you. Do I have enough on and if it's good enough? If it covers up, it's good enough. Let's get on to what's really important. Amen. But there's people that have closets full because they're trying to make up for the deficit. And it stinks. Because those people forgot what they said to my daddy. But he didn't. And Terry, my roommate from boarding school, he couldn't forget. See what I'm saying? It hangs on way longer than it should. And I'm talking, it may just be two people, but I'm talking to somebody. Somebody said something somewhere and it hits you wrong. And if you're honest, you woke up this morning thinking about it. I'm so sorry. Because I know God doesn't want that to be that way. I know it. He wants blessings and honor to come to you today and he wants to bless the socks off of you today remember I told you you didn't have to have money so it's not about money it's about blessing it's about blessing now this is the good part Terry and I were talking about this today She's and a lot yesterday. And she said, sometimes I wonder when God sent Jesus, did he feel like he made a mistake? Because everything changed after Jesus came. Then they had more rules to keep than you can shake a stick at. You think, you think you're struggling now. You, you wouldn't have had a chance in the Old Testament. And when you start reading about how heavy the rules were, you'll go, my goodness. I mean, once a year, somebody would go into the Holy of Holies. One time, one time. And it wasn't somebody like you. 
And when Jesus came, it almost, when you read it, it's almost like, I just can't hardly believe this. When you read it, it's like Jesus said, forget all that. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And if, if you forget that, I'll tell you again. That's what you got to do. And I might, we don't have to keep 656 rules. He said, nope. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. You know why? Because he said, if you'll do that, it all wraps up in that. Boy, that's the truth too. That is the truth. Get in a long line of traffic at five o'clock and call me and tell me that ain't the truth. Try to love your neighbor at five o'clock on 40. Woo, help me Jesus now. Are you, am, am I right? And that's why Jesus came and, and died for it because we can't, we can't do it. We try, but we don't do it. And Jesus said, I know you can't do it, but I'm going to die for you. And when you need me, call me and I'll be there. And boy, is that not the gospel? He is there. And when I fail, he's there. And when I don't think he's going to pick up the phone, he's there. All you got to do is call on his name and he's there. And he'll never leave. Say it with me. And he'll never forsake. And he's an ever-present help when? In the time of trouble. When you're in trouble, call him. He don't mind. He doesn't mind. And he'll pick up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, and I'm not being insensitive. And it's not somebody from Mexico. You know what I mean? I, I call my help helpline and I can't even understand who he is or or, or what he's saying. I'm like, we, they should give an interpreter when you have to call customer service. <laughs> Just so you can understand what they said. I asked a guy recently, I said, are you speaking English? And, and he answered, and I couldn't even understand that he was answering. He was speaking English. I'm not being insensitive. It's just crazy how the world has just gone. You know what I'm saying? I understand they need a job, but they need to learn how to speak English if they're going to be a customer service representative in this country. And if that's insensitive, the Lord will speak to my heart just like he did about my grandson. But I don't want that guy to feel ashamed. I just want him to learn English and then he won't feel ashamed. The power of the cross removes shame. Now you don't want to go the opposite way where you feel stuck up. That's bad. Because now you think you did it. You didn't do anything. But you want enough of God's grace to know he did it. And to really get that message in your heart and to really understand. He took my sin. He took, this is more powerful to me. He took my place. I was going to die and I was guilty, and he, was, he said, I'll go for him. 
Just tell him to go back home and I'll take care of this. My grandson reminds me of that all the time. Opa, do it, please. And then he goes, plays another game because he knows I'll do it. And then when I get it fixed, I bring it back to him. And, you know, usually he's already on to something else. I took care of the problem so that he didn't have to. That's what Jesus did. I had a big problem. Jesus took care of it and sent me home. If you can get that, then you're free. And I'm, I majored in psychology. I believe, I believe in counseling. I'm not crazy. But can I say something to you? A whole lot of counseling can be wrapped up in the gospel. And counseling may help, but Jesus will help. And when he touches you, he touches you. If you don't usually come back tonight, I understand. But if you could come back tonight, I want you, I, I'm going to share something, a personal thing that happened to me. And I want you to be here uh, tonight if you can make it. I won't keep you long, but I just want to share something that's very personal. And... Uh, the Lord set me free. And only, only the Lord could set me free. The third point that I just want to make specifically And I've already kind of touched on it. But your shame has an advocate. His name is Jesus. And if you sometime today will tell you, Lord, take my shame. Now, I don't know what you're ashamed of, but I know what my daddy was ashamed of. Because he never got far away from it. And he was a man of God, mighty missionary. But it'll paralyze people. My roommate, he said he felt paralyzed all those years because of the shame that he felt. And when you give it to Jesus, it doesn't just totally go away, but he takes it for you and represents you to the Father. It took me a long time to understand this but I've had bad lawyers and I've had good lawyers. <laughs> so I know the difference. And when you have a good lawyer, it's unbelievable. You walk into the court with him and he does the rest. You know what I mean? He does the rest. And when you get the answer, it's the answer you wanted, but you didn't do anything. And when Jesus takes your case, he didn't do anything. But when he finishes, he's a good lawyer. He did the rest. 
for you and for me. Tonight, I'll share a personal thing, but if you wonder why I do what I do, you come tonight, you'll know by the time you leave why I do what I do. But uh, I was here, it's been a couple years ago, and uh, unbelievable thing happened, just unbelievable. I needed $10,000 to build a pavilion in a Hindu village. You remember that? If you were here, you remember I was going to build a pavilion. And I had raised 5000 And I walked out of here with 10000 And if you look in there, there's a pavilion in there. If you don't know which one, just show the other ones, and one of them will show up. There it is. There it is. Now, you might think, why, why didn't we build a building? Because they're Hindu. And they call it a church. <laughs> but when we didn't put walls around it, we outsmarted them. They called it a pavilion, and it works for me. Now we have tarps that go down just like walls. <laughs> God's smart. And when it rains, all the kids come into the pavilion. And that pavilion has power in it. I mean, it's unbelievable when God erects something, what happens. We were up there last year, and Terry read in English. So here's Terry. Here's me. I'm always hard at work. <laughs> I'm on my phone. Here's Terry. Here's David's wife, baby, and she's interpreting English to Indonesian. And, of course, there's my hero, David. And we're changing the landscape of a village. Now, remember what I told you? We're not doing anything. God's doing it all. These children aren't Hindu. They were born in a Hindu family, but they're not Hindu because they learn about Jesus all the time. And they pray to Jesus all the time. Now, we're not going to be stupid. So people ask me, how many are getting saved? We hope all of them. But we're not asking. You say, why? Because we don't want them to get in trouble. They're Hindu. They grew up Hindu. But they're not Hindu. I've been there. You agree? We've been there. They pray to Jesus better than we do. You see, and I just want to say this to you. We get, I understand in America, Saved, that word is a line of demarcation. But when you're in a Hindu village, saved is an ongoing process. And, and they're going to be saved. Don't worry about it. If you're worried about it, worry about something else. You don't need to be worried about that. They're going to be saved. They're going to proclaim the good news of Jesus. They're going to change an entire generation for the glory of God. And I, when I started, I wondered about that. I wondered, I thought, am I just crazy or, or, or does this work? The first convert was 66. And God came to him in a vision. You remember that story? Came to him in a vision, said, you're following the wrong God, mighty. You need to follow Jesus. And he called David and said, I had a vision. Jesus came to me. David said, works for me. <laughs> and he said, does he want me to follow Jesus? And he said, well, he said so, didn't he? He said, yeah. 
Two weeks later, he was baptized in water. This isn't the guy messing around. He saved to the bones in his body. And that's in his backyard. That's his yard. The Hindus wouldn't give us permission, but he owns that house and he owns that yard and he owns that pavilion. So we just signed it over to him. It's his pavilion. It's God's pavilion. I think there's one more picture, maybe. And here we are just talking to him, hanging out. We, David and baby, there's Dave. Got dressed up for the picture, looks like. <laughs> and there's baby. It's hot there, folks. It's hot, hot. And every 14th day on the calendar, they're here, and they minister to about 256 people. Every week, we feed them, we clothe them, we take care of quite a few medical needs. People say, uh, don't they have any money? No. They don't have any money. When COVID came, it totally wiped out their little cottage industries. They don't have money. But that doesn't mean they're not rich. Amen. They're rich as can be. And so with God's help, and when I started, it was just one day at a time, but we're going to help David and we're going to feed these people and clothe them and teach them. And, and I believe that when Jesus comes in their heart, he'll help them. So I believe the next thing we'll hear is that they're prospering because Jesus is in their heart. And I, uh, when I say this, you're going to go, uh, you know, people say, don't talk about money. So I won't. <laughs> Best I can do. But I need all the money you got. But I don't need money. If you'll send rice, bring some rice. You catch what I'm saying? I don't need money. I just need what money does. I have to send it so we buy rice and we buy Raymond noodles. We live off of Raymond noodles over there. I'll end by saying this. You can't drink the water in Indonesia. It'll kill you. You you drink you, you you put a glass under the tap and pour you a glass of water. It'll kill you. It's got more junk in it than you can list. So we all drink bottled water everywhere you go. We buy it by the truckload. I mean, you think every sip we take, we got to go get something. But our water is different. And I know that sounds silly, but it's not silly. Because we have trucks full of water. And I do it, and David does it, baby does it. We pray over that water. That's holy water. It really is. I know it, it may just go through, but no. When I give a bottle of water to Marty, that is holy water. And he drinks it, and it gets into his bones, and God's blessings runs in his body from that bottle. Now, you might think, I don't believe that. It's okay. I know it's true. Because God, they didn't have water till we came. It's kind of like 
the loaves and fish in the Bible. You remember that? And that's some different fish in that little basket. <laughs> Amen. And so little things, I, I know it can get lost, but our water is touched by the king. And everywhere it goes, it's light. I've always wondered if it, if a box of it didn't light up at night, it'd be like flashlight if we could get in that room. I believe that stuff to the core of my being. Everywhere this water goes, it ministers to people. And so I know whatever the gift is today, I just want you to understand it represents you. And then we send that to David and he goes and buys water. And if that's all he did, that'd be all he did. But then he prays over that truck and says, Jesus, go where I can't go. Do what I can't do. And shine, Lord. Shine. He even sometimes says, show out, Jesus. And that's what this is about. I'm an old guy. I thought I was finished. I'm not finished. I'm just starting. I want to give some glory to God. Last year, we took in more money than we've ever taken. Ever. Woo. And I had a heart attack. Well, I had a stroke, but then they found out I had a hole in my heart, so I felt like I had a heart attack. And then they told me last year, they're going to fix my heart. So we hope they did. Would you pray about that? I don't want to, it's not about me. I want to go back to Indonesia, but you don't want to get on a plane, find out, and fix your heart. That'd be a bad day. But God knows all that, doesn't he? And in the, in, in the midst of all that, he said, well, what if I just bless you a little bit? Hallelujah. So he did. So he did. See, I believe every knee shall bow. You believe that? Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. And that's why we hand out holy water. We just, we just want the message to get out. And lately, Terry goes everywhere I go because she doesn't know what's going to happen to me. <laughs> And I appreciate her concern. I do. Sometimes I act like it's getting on my nerve, but it's not. But Terry's in the boat with me here. She believes in this stuff, don't you, babe? Holy water. The precious kids. Lord, we know shame is a bad thing. And we know that it touches all of us in some hidden little place. And I pray today that these people will know that you have overcome shame. And that my dad didn't have to carry that all his life. He just didn't know exactly how to give it up. 
But I pray at this month of new beginnings that everybody in this room would lay it down during this time of prayer and fasting and just say, I give it to you, Lord. Anybody, anything that tried to detour me, I surrender all. I surrender it to you. And we'll give you praise forever. In the matchless name of Jesus, I pray and you said, amen. You know what glow sticks are? Anybody know what glow sticks are? Come tonight, you're going to get a glow stick. So I'll be back 530, is it? And I, I'm not going to take a lot of your time. I'm just going to share a personal testimony and we're going to spend some good time. You're precious people. You're sweet. I love you. God bless. Praise the Lord. Those who put their trust in him will never be ashamed. Amen. Great word. Great word. Um, well, you know how it works. We send people to other countries. We equip them. We resource them. And they don't have to go empty-handed. Their, their strategy here is taking food to this village, and they've converted. They're thinking. They're not thinking a one-time-in preach and leave. They're, they're committed. They're thinking generationally. Amen? And I'll tell you, it's time the church uh, in ways also starts thinking generationally because the devil thinks generationally. I mean, you look at what's happened in our country. It didn't happen in a day. It's been a strategy that's been going on for some time. And, you know, we, we think for the moment, but we need to start having a strategy to reach the next generations and reach our children and our grandchildren with the gospel. And that's what they're doing in Indonesia, in this one village. But, man, I just want to challenge you and me to be thinking generationally for our kids. Man, we've got a whole... If we had all the kids up here, we'd be full today. We've got a good flock of kids in this church, man. But we need to be we need to be making the way for them, amen. But anyway, I'm going to go ahead and ask the uh, ushers to come. If we would, we're going to take up an offering, and uh, I just trust that you pray. You hear from the Lord. Um, what we're going to do is just pass the bucket one time. It will be for our regular tithes and offerings, and then also if you would like to give extra to. Uh, uh, Dan's ministry, uh, please mark it clearly on your check or put it in an envelope and mark it clearly. And um, we'll make sure that that all goes to him. And I want to bless him. Uh, I just, I like people who are, man, that I'm in relationship with. You know, he can come and tell me, man, this is what we did last time I went. I'm not just supporting somebody I've not heard of, you know. I, I don't just have to read the newsletter or get the emails. I get to go and eat lunch with him, you know. And so I think those people that we're in relationship with, we need to pray for and we need to support. Amen. So uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, get ready. Um, Elijah, there's a verse. I just want to, you guys know it. You should have it memorized. Second Corinthians 9. But I just, it, it's so fitting here because it talks about having all that you need supplied, right? To do every good thing. It's about equipping people, right? Having all things, obviously, uh, give what you've decided in your heart. Next, next frame there, verse nine. And God is able to make all grace abound to you that having all sufficiency in all things at all time, you may abound to every good work. I believe that this church is called to be a part of 
uh, helping Dan to have all sufficiency in all things to do everything that God has placed on his heart. And he said he thought he'd retired. This is a challenge to young people here. Are there any young people here? Come on, we need to step up, man. Young people need to step up and be out. Why Why is God calling all his, his generals back out of retirement and sending them overseas? It was the same with Jimmy Oxendine in, in, uh, in December. He's like, I thought I was retired. And here I am in Africa. Why? Because there's not enough young people going. Come on, the need is great. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest to thrust laborers in the, into the harvest. And, and if you look in the Greek, that word thrust, it means cast out. It's the same word that uh, is used to cast out devils in the Bible. He's saying cast them out with the same kind of force that you would cast a devil out of somebody. Cast my workers out into the harvest field. It's urgent, isn't it? But let's just pray and let's bless this offering. Can we do that? Lord, I just thank you for this word. Lord, I pray that the, that the words he shared, the stories he shared will take root. Um, Lord, that we will be willing and able to see that we can walk completely free of shame in the presence of Jesus Christ, that the cross of Jesus Christ has set us free from shame, from the opinions of man, because the cross of Jesus Christ has given us your opinion. It's given, once we know your opinion, once we know your thoughts toward us, everybody's opinion, everybody's thoughts, everybody's words are pretty much irrelevant at that point. And Lord, I just thank you because the cross says you're holy. The cross says, I love you. The cross says you're worth it. The cross says, I want you. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for that message. And Father God, I just pray for this offering, Lord. I pray that you bless it, that you just send it out there and let it, let it bring in just this whole generation into the kingdom of God. Rescue them from the trappings of the, the, the foolishness of the religion that they're serving and let them walk in the light and truth of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.